Hello and welcome to Mark My Words, Don't Forget the Colon. So I'm really excited for today's episode because my good friend Norgabara has agreed to do an interview with me where I'm going to be able to probe his brains and see what he has to say about heritage and culture and family background. I'm really interested by his roots because he's a really interesting person and I've never really asked him about his heritage, but he's been a very open person in the past. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. I'd also like to say a big thank you to everyone that's been following the podcast Instagram page and and liking the pictures and giving me feedback. It's been really, really appreciated and I'm just enjoying what people have to say. If you have any ideas for the podcast or if you want to have a little memo put on, on the podcast or even be a guest, hit me up, let me know. Go straight into my DMs. It's mark.mywordspodcast on Instagram. And yeah, I'd love to hear what you have to say. So before we get into the main interview of this episode, I just want to do a shout out to a podcast that I've been enjoying. So Illy and Elle is a really good podcast show that I happen to know personally. They are two great friends from university and they have such a great chemistry. They talk such nonsense, but it is so entertaining that sometimes you just can't put the phone down and it's really bad for procrastination, which I've been doing a lot lately. So head over to Spotify or to uh, anywhere that you can get podcasts and type in Illy and L. That's Illy, I-L-L-Y and L-E-L. And you listen to their crazy but fantastic podcast. And if you listen to their podcast about life and death, you might even hear my comments where we just bash on about how we feel about kicking it off into the next realm. So that's Illy and L on Spotify. And if you're feeling charitable or just like a good person and you need a good deed for the day, head over to Alfie Make Peace's GoFundMe page. The link is in the description below. He's a really great guy and he's fundraising money for top surgery. Queer community needs are really, really important to me. And I feel it's only fair that uh, when one of our communities in need that we help them out as much as possible, which is why every episode I'll be doing a shout out to his GoFundMe page until he gets all the money he needs for his top surgery. Um, If you want any information on uh, trans rights or the queer community, uh, please hit into my DMs or just look up on Google. There's plenty of information around. But please, please, please donate as charitably as you can to Alfie Make Peace's GoFundMe page. It's a really important cause and it would do such a great deed to him and to the queer community in general. Please donate kindly. Thank you. And on this section of the podcast, I am now joined by the wonderful Noor Gabara. Hello, Noor. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you very much for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm better for seeing your face. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Noor and I are actually on a FaceTime call as well as this podcast, like the recording part of it. So we're having two senses at once. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the weirdest way I could have phrased that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. So, uh, yeah. So I'm really glad you're on the podcast with me today. Um, as I said before, I'm really interested to just pick your brains about like heritage and background and, and you know, where your family comes from, basically. The big old question of where do you get a name like Norgabara? So what do you have in response to that? Um, basically, I think thing is so I come from a very mixed family so my mother is from Nottinghamshire Midlands and then my father's from Cairo in Egypt and so having a yeah having a British Egyptian family and so my name is actually my father's side of the family um and my first name is an Islamic name as well as an Arabic name and then um, my last name actually comes from Sudan from my Sudanese heritage um from my grandfather who was 
uh, from born in Khartoum in Sudan. So, so yeah, so it's quite a lot, a long heritage in that kind of Afro-Arab world. Um, but also I'm very white passing and white looking because of my mm. mother and her Irish heritage. So, Oh, wow. You really went from like extreme to extreme. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, my, amazing. my family could not stay still. They had to move country every generation. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, my only comparison to that is I'm all forms of British white, so <laughs> documentation, very easy. Yeah, it's very difficult on my side. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. So, like, what are your, like, childhood memories of, like, family gatherings and stuff? Like, what would you guys eat on the equivalent of a Sunday dinner? Uh, yeah, so this is the thing. So, really, it's just a lot of Middle Eastern food is basically what makes up most of my childhood and it changes depending on what country you're in because I have lived in multiple countries especially in the Middle East so I mean I was born in Egypt but I did grow up in Bahrain and the UAE Dubai specifically Uh Uh, but I also lived in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia and so I've kind of moved around there a lot but then I went to school here in the UK so it's kind of like this big mix Sunday roasts Mm -hmm. we did have but it wasn't, we didn't have them specifically on a Sunday. It was just kind of like any meal went um, sort of vibe. <laughs> but, yeah. So any excuse to have a, an amazing like a range of cuisines and all this kind of basically, stuff. Basically, yeah. I mean, we used to have a oh, lot cool. of Indian food as well when we were younger because a lot of our neighbours were Indian as well. So we used to have a lot oh of... Oh my God. Yeah, so we used to have a lot of like authentic Indian food, especially when we had like house parties and stuff like mm. or gatherings with the neighbours. It was more Indian-centred food. And so I do remember a lot of different cuisines coming in. <laughs> That's so cool. And um, what would you say is, is your most cherished um, like family story or, or part of your family history that you love to bring up at a, a dinner party? Oh, that's a tough one. That is a really tough one, actually. I'd say it was Christmas in um, Dubai. We had this amazing turkey but it was on this bed of like egyptian rice and mixed with like vermicelli and it was just amazing which is very middle eastern like having vermicelli mm-hmm. kind of like uh, pasta rice type thing and then on top of white basmati rice sort of vibe and then just kind of like having all these dates and everything and hummus oh, stop it. i'm getting hungry i now. know i know but it was all it was our christmas dinner and that was our christmas mm. dinner with a turkey just sat on top of it and it was just kind of like bringing loads of different cultural vibes together and I, that yeah. i've got to say that was probably one of my best christmases that just that oh, one christmas that's such a blend of cultures i love it yeah so you bring up Christmas. Um, would I be right in thinking that you celebrate Christmas? It's a religious festival. Um, yeah. So some 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 people do. I mean, we treated it more like kind of like an Eid vibe. Um, so just mm-hmm. kind of like you give gifts to each other, and it's just more about family being together rather than it being more to do with Jesus and being the birth of um, Christ. So we didn't treat yeah, it more like that. Yeah, we didn't treat it more like a Christian celebration. We treated it more like a Muslim celebration, more like this is just a celebration because it's a celebration. Excuse for a party. An excuse to have turkey on rice. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and it's, That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, so, so you mentioned uh, Eid then. So is your family sort of, I mean, I was born into a Christian family. I was baptised, but I'm not much of a follower or believer yeah. myself. Would you say you're a parallel in Islam? Yeah, or... basically, I'd say I was more on a parallel. I mean, I do sometimes go to mosque, 
Um, but obviously recently can't because of the whole pandemic and everything. It's been quite difficult. Who? Haven't heard of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? There's a pandemic. Um, so <laughs> I went to school with her. <laughs> yeah, there's just been all of that going on. But I mean, yeah, I'm pretty much parallel with that. I'm not sure if I entirely go for it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I was born and raised Muslim and I do go to mosque every now and then. So, mm-hmm. And do you eat pork? Uh, no, I don't. I don't eat pork. That seems to be quite a defining factor. You know, some lay Muslims and some do and don't and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty interesting. But yeah, I mean, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> um, so this might be a shock to some, mm. but Norgabara... May we mention the closet doors are the open? The closet doors are open, yeah. <laughs> wide open or slightly ajar? <laughs> slightly ajar. <laughs> no, wide open, <laughs> wide open. Um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, on that note, um, is there anything you want to you wanna address in that sense? I'm, I'm trying to be delicate here and giving you free. Yeah, break, no, but... so sexuality, yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I think I went through that very stereotypical struggled with it at first kind of case terms with it a bit older on I think I struggled with it when I was like 11 because I knew quite early on but obviously Mm -hmm. I wasn't really educated on it I didn't really know homosexuality at all like at that point Mm -hmm. I think it's mostly because the school I was at they didn't really teach anything to do with sexual orientation or anything like that the only sex education we got was kind of like a um you know how 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 do hedgehogs have sex sort of vibe you know it was just oh, kind of like right, yeah. that is the only sex education i really had and that was only in biology yeah. and that was about it so you know you're just gloves on walking yeah job done get yeah. out <laughs> it's like okay so that's how it works thank you everyone for coming so, <laughs> <laughs> so i think that was that was it <laughs> and that and that was it you just hear david attenborough explaining how hedgehogs have sex and that is about it <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah. Oof. So when it came to like me trying to discover myself, it was just kind of like, uh, oh god, I think I'm into guys. This is really weird. This is not. Yeah. This is not how I pictured everything going. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. So I don't really. And so how? So how can you? Um, how does that sort of tie into the sort of cultural heritage of you know growing up with such a, a diverse background? And did that play any role? That, yeah, you? that did play a big role. It played a big role because. I obviously knew there was a disapproval in a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of, especially, so not so much maybe, not so much my parents and my family. They were pretty, they're very liberal in terms of an Islamic family. They're quite liberal. Um, but in mm-hmm. terms of a culture as a whole, Egyptian culture is not the most accepting when it comes to homosexuality. Um, and I think, especially in terms of a lot of Middle Eastern countries, there are a lot of laws against it. Each one differs. Mm-hmm. So for some countries like Saudi Arabia, they're more on the extreme side of like full on imprisonment, flogging, that sort of vibe going on. Not mm-hmm. very popular, but still can happen. Um, yeah. And then in other countries, it's kind of deportation vibes. So it's kind of like <laughs> it really depends where you are. And it's just a flavor of everything. Yeah. All the way yeah. I mean, I know in Lebanon, there's a really uh, a growing gay scene and in and in Alexandria and Cairo there is a growing underground gay scene it's like getting bigger mm-hmm. every year I mean the other last year I think there was a whole massive gay pride protest going on in wow. Cairo yeah because one of there was a woman who she fled Egypt went to Canada and then um, everyone was saying how amazing she was and it just led to this whole kind of 
gay pride flags being flown in Cairo. And this is during like a whole civil unrest already, just on top of the wow. Arab Spring you've got going on. So you've got loads of changes going on and then a rise mm. in like Islamic extremism. So you've just got so much going on in such poor countries, such as like Egypt. There's a lot of people who are very, very poor. So that there's a lot of other problems on top of, you know, discovering your sexuality. So it's kind of like yeah. this big thing going on. But like a hot part of political trauma. Yeah, yeah it's massive political trauma, massive changes mm. going on. But I think... Well, then... Sorry. No, sorry, no, no. Um, so I think the big thing for me, my family is my family were a lot more privileged, especially like my father's family. They yeah. were a lot more middle-class Egyptians and they were quite privileged in that regard that they mm. were able to kind of get out of Egypt and get good jobs in other countries when there was a lot of this turmoil going on. So... Mm. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. So um, to bring it on to maybe more of a light yes. note, or what sort of, uh, well, let's start with where would you call home in a name, a word? Yeah. Uh, the hardest question. It's a very difficult question because normally I just associate where my family is at the moment as just being home. So it's not really just like a physical place. It's more like just mm-hmm. where my family is. But I, I live in Devon. But I wouldn't necessarily okay. just say Devon is my home county just because yeah. I don't I wasn't brought up there as a child. I was brought up in Dubai as a child, really. That's where I would say my childhood memories are, my childhood home was. So I, I don't yeah. know. It's a very difficult question because there's multiple areas where home could actually mm. be. So I find it very difficult to actually define where. So I'd say probably yeah. in between Dubai and Devon. <laughs> we can say that do you go back to do you go back to Dubai yeah yeah I haven't been this year but I went last year I went for like a whole month um during like spring yeah well me and my brother just decided we weren't going to stay in the UK during Easter we just went oh we'll just go back home and then we just went Mm -hmm. and then it was just like yeah this is quite good so (laughs) so we had quite a good time it must be so nice when you when you go back and you sort of throw away your Britishness and and be you know yeah <laughs> nor Gabara, the full fledged <laughs> name and culture yeah and yeah no um yeah it's quite weird actually i don't think i change in terms of character or personality when i go mm. i just i just seem to be there and be just like fine well it must undoubtedly have have added i don't want to use the word flavor because that's that doesn't have very <laughs> nice connotations but it's definitely you know imprinted on your personality and and whether or not you may realise it, but there's certainly going to be an Egyptian part of your oh, character yeah. and your personality. Yeah, definitely. Just even... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's definitely um, a bit of an international vibe going on, definitely for me yes. myself, yeah. I mean, I noticed that mostly when I first moved to the UK, because I thought... I always mm-hmm. used to refer to myself as British whenever I was growing up. Okay. And then when I first moved to the UK, I realised, oh, I'm not... I'm not fully British because yeah. I realised there was a lot of differences yeah. between me and all a lot of the other British kids I was with, and I was like, "Oh, they're they're mm. British, <laughs> you know? I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a British. I'm British. Sudanese, <laughs> Egyptian, Dubai. Yeah, I'm this hybrid, <laughs> just kind of walking in yeah. with a British accent. <laughs> I suppose it must have been quite hard as a child, though. Sort of at that age, maybe were you? Do you think you were able to bridge the cultural gaps, or is that something you've had to learn over I think time? I had to learn over time. Yeah, definitely had to learn that over time because I think you know just just really simple stuff just like childhood memories with like how parents interact with kids like parenting tactics 
I didn't even know how mm-hmm. big of a difference that would be culturally between you know British culture and just kind of like this middle like what <laughs> just like discipline and stuff like that so like just kind of like growing up and learning you know different cultural elements you know mm-hmm. I didn't I don't know it just felt different it felt like you know swearing in front of your parents I've always seen that as like a big no-no even now as a 22 mm-hmm. year old like I still see that mm-hmm. as like I would never do that and then you hear that everyone else mm-hmm. that already, already swears in front of their parents and you know even at the age of 16 they were swearing in front of their parents and I'm like that is somewhere I would never want to even touch I don't even go there <laughs> so, yeah. oh, wow! <laughs> but that's mostly just because it's just really I thought that's just happened yeah though, but I think else. it's also cultural I think you know there's this yeah, kind of definitely. elders are more respected and stuff like that and then also the mm-hmm. kind of like the family idea the family element referring to people who aren't even related to you as uncle and auntie um is also like a really I love that yeah it's a really big community thing and i think you would never mm-hmm. swear in front of your elders it's just kind of like a mm-hmm. even though they would probably laugh it's just like a, yeah it's just like a oh don't do that yeah it's like, <laughs> you're, you're not an adult you're wow. not one of them <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> But then you hit 21, you can say whatever the hell you <laughs> Even like. now, I still get, oh, I'm not going to swear in front of my dad. <laughs> yeah, sort of yeah. So, uh, so your dad's side is clearly a very, I don't want to say well-traveled, but he's clearly got a really interesting background, yeah. such as yourself. So what was it like for your mum then to up sticks from the Midlands and move over to Dubai? Oh, I think it was a lot for my mum. So my mum so was council house and she was raised uh, just outside Nottingham. And... Uh, mm. And she she kind of went from this like kind of working class background and then started making her own money, started working in a factory, mm-hmm. became like a an assistant manager. You know, she worked right up the ranks and then she met my dad and then she was then all of a sudden traveling to Egypt and living in Egypt and then living in Bahrain. For my mum, my mum's always been really open to other cultures, other ideas, and mm-hmm. she's always loved to educate herself about other places Mm -hmm. so for mum it was like it wasn't more of a cultural shock it was more of a cultural learning this is my chance to actually learn and my mum speaks fluent arabic as well so she yeah wow so so she and she learned purely because everyone she was sat with when she first met my dad's family all spoke arabic she literally learned secondhand arabic by so arabic you wouldn't learn in a dictionary this was kind of like the proper cultural norms colloquialisms that she was just picked up okay no we're gonna have to <laughs> hang up here i'm gonna forget you mum onto the call she sounds incredible <laughs> yeah i mean that yeah that's, that's so and cool. my mum yeah and she also worked for the government in dubai yeah my mum's had an amazing oh, yeah my mum's oh. had an amazing career in life which has completely mm-hmm. progressed one of my big inspirations my mum so like that's one of my things yeah that's so cool so would you um Oh gosh, I'm just trying to think of the <laughs> question because that's just so interesting. So, um, if your mum speaks fluent Arabic and your dad, as you say, grew up in in so many amazing places, so how many languages are like accessible to you and your oh, family? Just, just the two, English and Arabic, really. Yeah, and French as well, because a lot of um, okay. So not my dad. My dad didn't. My dad doesn't speak very good French, but like my mm-hmm. aunties and my female cousins in Egypt there's this big thing especially among middle class Egyptians that all women speak French so there's a like send them to oh. French schools and all of this and that's just because of colonialism and this kind of like whole background that 
when the French and the British were in Egypt, it was kind of like teach them French because when you speak French, you're more educated sort of vibe going on. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so a lot of my, so my cousin, even though she was born way after the British and the Egyptians had their independence, you know, from the British and the French. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, 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 that little part of history. Um, she, <laughs> she, you know, spoke French before she spoke Arabic. And then she, even though she was born and raised in Cairo, she was speaking French and Arabic. And there's a lot of Egyptians like that. And that's all across North Africa. You know, a lot of a lot of Arabic wow. speaking countries. A lot of people speak French as well. But yeah, that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> so um, I'm coming towards the end of my, my list of points to sort of gravitate me on this amazing <laughs> you know, back history you've given me. Um, but I would just love to ask you one final question. Um, what would you like people to know about the Middle it's East? It's diverse. It's not one place. I, I always have a pet peeve mm-hmm. when someone says, oh, but Middle Eastern countries are like that. It's like, which one? Because mm-hmm. they have so many cultures, so many different like cultural groups. Even the term using Arabic as one language is misleading because the Egyptians speak a mm-hmm. different form of Arabic that a lot of other Arabic speakers can't understand. And that is already like a massive thing that you like loads of people have to understand that they just understand in the Middle East in general and it's like you know what's going on in Yemen doesn't define what's going on in Lebanon for example so Yemen's going through a massive humanitarian crisis but Lebanon was thriving a little bit before the Beirut explosion this year everyone's like oh but surely they're used to bombs happening all the time Lebanon wasn't they're not a country that's been through a lot of Mm -hmm. warfare like other countries like Syria so it's this massive changes and the you know, Qatar and the UAE are very wealthy compared to their neighbouring nations, which have a lot of poverty. So they're all different, diverse, culturally, ethnically. There's no one set Middle Easterner. You can't meet one Middle Easterner and say you've met them all because it's impossible. There's, yeah, there's no one. Yeah, size it's not all. just one region. It's like multiple of cultures. It's like saying Europe is just one place. It's like, there's so many different languages, so many different things going on in Europe. You literally can't say you met all of Europe through one European. It's that's my big message. It's like going, it's like Emily in Paris being like, yes, I yeah, to yeah, Italy. basically, it's like basically that that whole vibe of just like, yeah, this kind of there's only one culture. There isn't. There's so many, so many differences, and it's just a massive melting pot of cultures. The Middle East. It's just so vast it's almost impossible to put it down to one thing. So that's my thing. Yeah. Fab. Fantastic answer. Thank well, you ever so well, much. Well, thank you for, for having me. It's such an honour. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, stop it, you. Episode three, you heard it here first. <laughs> Fab. Thank, thank you, you. Noah. Take care. And we are returning again with Noor Kabara for another section on the podcast. Hello again, Noor. Hello, thank you. <laughs> so on this section, it is called Best Record Yet. And in this section, I just want to have a snapshot round where I ask you, what is an album that you cherish most above all the others? Oh, dear. <laughs> um, 
quite embarrassed by this, but Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded. <laughs> oh, oh, brilliant album. Oh, a brilliant album, but not very well approved of by other people. So there you go. Hey, we've just had a conversation about being proud of your heritage and your opinions <laughs> and your culture. Don't you go back and out on my Nicki Minaj now. <laughs> you know I love her too much. <laughs> oh, standouts on the album? Oh, oh, oh dear. Um, probably Roman Holiday. Oh yeah, I and really like reason. Um, no, I just, I just think she did that one brilliantly. I thought like her rap in it was pretty well done, and I don't know, it was just a tune that really got me into it, and also Stupid Ho. But that's that's another one. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that that's a less politically correct. <laughs> yeah, basically, I think they're both politically incorrect. But <laughs> there we go. I mean, such as Nicki Minaj. Yeah, yeah, provocative in all senses. But there we go. Well. That's a great way to end the section. Thank you very much, Noor. Okay, I cannot be the only person that is seriously impressed by Noor. That was so, so interesting. I mean, I knew he was Middle Eastern in some respect, but I didn't realise there's also a bit of Sudan in there as well. And then his mum comes from the Midlands. I mean, that really is one big melting pot. And that has given us the episode title for today. So, gosh, I'm so grateful that Noor has come onto the podcast. And... Yeah, I'm hoping that you guys enjoyed that as much as I did because I'm going to geek out about that episode and probably listen to my own po- podcast a couple times, which is kind of sad. Um, as ever, please, please, please don't forget to give generously to the Alfie Make Peace GoFundMe page as well. Um, but as ever, send in your thoughts to mark.mywordspodcast on Instagram and I'll put you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Bye.